welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Hey, Kingdom Culture family, welcome to our online Sunday experience. So great to see you. Love to see your engagement in the chat today. Like it. Make sure to like. Hit the like. Everybody watching, please hit the like button on our YouTube channel. Share it. If you're watching on Facebook, engage in the comments. Share the link with us. Help us spread the greatest news. And today, I feel like this is going to be a great encouragement for you. We are in week three of our Breaking Through You series. If you haven't checked it out yet, I would encourage you, go back to the last two weeks and watch the messages. We're talking about breaking through the internal barriers inside of our own life that often are the cause uh, of which why we can't break through the external barriers that we're facing. And so, you know, we talk about breakthrough often in terms of, you know, uh, uh, material things or in things that we can tangibly taste, tangibly feel, tangibly touch. But this series is all about breaking through in the intangible, breaking through mindsets and internal belief systems and things that stop us from actually breaking through into the tangible things that are ahead of us and before us. And so I hope this has been encouraging you. Like I said, go back for the last two weeks. You need to see these messages. They're foundational as we built. We've been camping out and first First and Second Peter, First and Second Peter camped out there and uh, just bringing different focuses out of those two books so far. So just to give you a little bit of a recap, in week one, we did talk about exposing the genuine, talked about how trials will trigger um, a genuine exposure of real faith. And we need these trials in our life to help bring faith alive, faith to life. And so we spoke out of 1 Peter chapter 1, chapter 3, chapter 4, and chapter 5. Last week, we talked about the subject surrounding Surrender when it's hard. We talked about the, we, we kind of spoke from this for the sub subject of stick it all up, surrendering it all to God. Speaking out of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. We honed in on that, talked about what humility looks like and surrender looks like in all areas of our life. Now, like I said, remember, we're talking about breakthrough when it comes to um, the internal processes of our life and how that affects the external things that we're facing. So let's dive in to 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, starting in verse 8 to 9. I'm going to read this, and then we're going to go back and read the verses before later on, okay? So chapter 1, 2 Peter, verse 8, to nine, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, very important we hear that piece, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you 
Everyone wants this, next statement. Everyone wants this. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse nine, but whoever does not have them, so have these qualities, we're gonna address these qualities, but whoever does not have them, these qualities, is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So what qualities are we talking about? We're gonna dive into this today. So if you're taking notes, write this title down in your notes, Qualities for Breaking Through. We're talking about the qualities for breaking through. And we're gonna be really majoring on how this affects our spiritual eyes. We're talking about healing today. Healing for our spiritual eyes. We all need our eyesight, our spiritual sight, to be in a constant state of heal, healed or healing and health, okay? So I wanna pray as we dive into this because I feel like today is gonna be super practical, but I wanna make sure that our spirit grabs a hold of the revelation behind this practical stuff that we're diving into, to, into today. So God, I thank you for what you're gonna do. I thank you for who you are. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would make the word come alive to us today. Make the word come alive. Make the word um, just uh, uh, like uh, uh, give us perspective in a way that we've never had perspective of this word, of this, of this passage that we're diving into today. I pray that you would help us develop into the qualities that uh, allow us to break through the internal things that stop us from breaking through the external things in Jesus' name. And ultimately, I pray, God, for the healing of the eyes, where we've been nearsighted, where we've been blind, where we've forgotten what God has done, what Jesus has done in and through our life. I pray that today you would heal us, bring back to remembrance the goodness that you are in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to talk about these qualities and what they are, and they're these in the, in these inner qualities that we need in increasing measure, like we read, so that we can break through. Now, let me just before we dive in, I want to address this whole healing of the spiritual eyes thing as we dive into this, because I want us to see everything we're talking about today uh, from the lens of it's all about how we see. It's all about uh, what we see. Write this down: seeing right will help us walk right. We don't believe because we see. We see because we believe. Write that down. We don't believe because we see. We see because we believe. And that's just scripture. We walk by faith according to what Paul had written to the Corinthian church. We walk by faith, not by sight. We're talking about spiritual sight, the healing of our spiritual sight and remaining in that space. When we lose the health of our spiritual sight, we end up exhibiting behavior, exhibiting a lifestyle that looks like or demonstrates that we've forgotten that we've been cleansed from our past sins. Like we've forgotten what Jesus has done in and through our life. And when we do that, we miss the boat. So let's go back into 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, and read the verses five verses before where we started in verse eight in the beginning of the message, okay? Let's read this together. Second Peter chapter one, verse three. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. And we see this in Ephesians chapter one, verse three. Paul said this to the church at Ephesus. He said this, he said, we have been blessed presently 
with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. In other words, we have it all. We have it all, okay? Colossians, Paul wrote to the city of Colossus. He, he wrote this, this, this uh, idea or this encouragement that we don't have 10% of Jesus. God dwelt fully in the body of Jesus, and Jesus is in us fully, and we are in him. We are abiding in him, he is in us, and we are in him, okay? So if God is in the fullness, fullness of God is in Jesus, and we are in Jesus, guess what? We have the fullness of God right now. In other words, we have everything that we will ever need right now presently. The quest is always about becoming more aware of what we already have. Awareness of the good news. Awareness of the hope that we have. Awareness of the promise of healing that has been given to us. An awareness of our inheritance spiritually and physically with Jesus. An awareness of the power of Christ that dwells in us. Romans 8 chapter chapter 8 verse 11 says the 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 holy spirit the spirit who resurrected the same spirit who resurrected Jesus dwells in you so an awareness of this reality is the quest that we are all on continually every day to be aware of what's been made available to us so in this opening passage it's a reminder peter's reminding us of what paul has said over and over again his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Now listen to this in verse four. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption of the world in the world caused by evil desires. Verse five, for this very reason, let's hone in on this verse and the verses following now. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. Stop there. What we're about to read are all of the qualities that we're talking about today. Okay, there are seven qualities that Peter addresses that we need in increasing measure. And all of these qualities are to be added to our existing faith, okay? This, this faith, this word for faith is pistis in the Greek. If you've heard me ever talk about faith, you know what pistis is. It literally could be defined as God's divine persuasion, okay? Not just a human choice that you make one day. No, faith, biblical faith is where you're so persuaded by God that you will be able to stand under anything and remain because your faith is grounded and, and is connected to the one who is the giver of faith, okay? He gives us faith to believe through his spirit, okay? So for this very reason, make every effort to add, to supplement and add to your faith these things, okay? Now, just before we dive into these qualities in a second, I want to just define what it means to make every effort. It means eagerness, diligence. It means to go quickly, to hasten, okay? To hurry up. Make sure you hurry up. Don't wait till the end of your life to start focusing on these qualities. You're you have faith in God right now, you're walking with Jesus right now, make sure you hurry to add these supplements to your faith. It's like, you know, there are certain vitamins that if you don't take before you're 30 and 40, it's a lot harder 
to recover from the, the, the malnutrition or the lack of these nutrients, these lack of these vitamins in your body after you hit 40. It's a lot harder to recover. But if you're supplementing when you're young, you're supplementing, you're adding the, the vitamins that your body needs. When you hit that 40, you hit that 50 mark, you're going to be a lot healthier later on in life. It's a lot harder to erase the damage that's been done rather than contribute and invest into health so that the damage doesn't have to be done so quickly. You get what I'm saying? So supplements are important. Nutrients, vitamins are important. This is kind of what I like in what Paul or Peter is saying here. It's like when I was competing, you know, I was taking lots of supplements, lots, lots of different vitamins and multivitamins and, and yet not elite, not illegal, legal sub supplements, legal, legal supplements to help me with energy, to help me with focus, to help my bone and my muscle recover. Like it's important that we add these supplements. We need need the help so we can last the long haul, okay? So it says here, for this very reason, make every effort to add, to add supplements, to add to your faith. I'm using the word supplements there. To add to your faith, I'll read it to you, goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness, verse 7, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love, verse eight. For if you possess these qualities, I love this. This is the promise we read in the beginning, okay? If you possess these qualities, all the things I just read, the seven qualities, these seven qualities, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, all of us wanna be productive, all of us wanna be effective, and so Peter is giving us some tools here to add into our spiritual tool belt that if we apply these things and add these things to our present faith, we will be effective and we will be productive. But if we do not, verse 9 says this, whoever does not have these things applied, does not have these things added into their faith, supplementing their faith, he who does not have these things becomes nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. By not developing in these things, it is a sign and a demonstration to the world around us and to those closest to us and to ourselves and to God that we have forgotten all the good things that he has done. Because the opening verse that I read, not the opening verse, but the first verse I read in verse 3 says, by his divine power, he has given us everything we need for a godly life. We have what we need. And when we forget what he's done, we forget what we have. Did you hear that? When we forget what he has done, we forget and lose awareness of what we have. And we walk nearsighted and blind. Okay, so let's dive into these seven qualities, but I'm going to actually do it in six, okay? I combined the last two into one. So even though there's seven and seven is the better number, seven is the God number, it symbolizes in biblical numerology completeness, wholeness, okay? It is the God number. Um, seven is the qualities that Peter addresses, but I'm gonna do it in six just for time, okay? These qualities help the eyes remain in a state of healing, which we want, and in a state of health, okay? as we see in the last verse, okay? Number one, let's address the first quality. The first quality, okay? The first quality to keep our eyes healthy, the first quality to walk straight. Remember, we do not believe because we see. 
We see because we believe. Real faith opens the spiritual eyes, okay? People often say, well, show me and I'll believe it. Well, even the religious did, did, that, did that, said that, and they saw and still didn't believe, okay? Because if your heart is hard, even if you see, your heart will still reject it, okay? So real faith turns on our spiritual eyes, not the other way around. Our spiritual eyes do not turn on our faith. Faith turns on our spiritual eyes, okay? So number one, the qualities that we're developing, that was a little bit of a side trail. Number one, we're focusing on the quality of a firm character, okay? A firm character, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse five. For this reason, make every effort, remember, with diligence, doing it quickly, Eagerness, that's what the word means. To add to your faith, goodness. Let's stop there for a second. Goodness, that's the first quality. Why do I say a firm character? Because goodness by definition could be defined as moral excellence or excellence of character. An excellence of character. In some translations, it would be virtue. It would mean brave deeds. Often, in most English translations would define it as moral excellence, okay? So we're talking about moral excellence, excellence of character. In other words, having a firm character. Write this down. What no one sees results in what everyone sees. This is the definition, or this is one way of illustrating what character looks like. What no one sees results in what everyone sees. In other words, what you do behind the scenes will always reflect and overflow into what is shown in the public. It's very important that we establish character. It's very important that we establish integrity. It's very important that we live what we live out there first private. That's what character looks like, okay? If we're preaching and speaking one thing and we're, and we're trying to tell people to do one thing and we haven't established that in our life, already privately, we don't really have a firm character. We have a shaky character, okay? Because we're saying one thing and doing the opposite. So what creates character? Yes, integrity is a part of character, consistency, being unmoved by the waves and storms around us. I mean, this is why we need to know the word in this season more than ever, because there's all kinds of storms around us right now. There's chaos around us. We have a whole generation right now that is literally illiterate in the word. We're listening to every word out there, but we're forgetting the word, capital W, the word himself, and the word he represents in scripture, the logos and the rhema. We're forgetting. We don't, we're not focusing on the word itself. We're focusing on the word, the narrative, the narrative of society has right now. We need to know the word, the word that helps us stay strong. It's a huge part of it, and I'll get into this in a second. But what creates character? Let's read Romans 5, verse 4. And endurance produces character. Let me say that again. Romans chapter 5, verse 4. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. So how do we endure? How do we endure? So if endurance produces character, other way of describing endurance is perseverance. If perseverance, endurance produces character, how do we persevere? How do we have endurance? Well, biblically speaking, spiritually speaking is what we're talking about, right? Building spiritual life, breaking through spiritual barriers. Biblically and spiritually speaking, to persevere or to endure, which produces character, is to stand on the word of God. The things that God has spoken his rhema word, which is his now communication to you in relationship, and his logos word, which is the written book, the sword, Hebrews 5, verse 14. 
or 5 verse 16, or sorry, Hebrews 4 verse 12, sorry, <laughs> totally not the right one. Hebrews 4 verse 12, that the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any double-edged sword, and it divides joints and marrow and soul and spirit. It helps us discern what's right and what's wrong. We need the word of God. It's a double-edged sword, okay? So how do we endure standing on the word? This is what grows our roots deep into the soil of stability. It says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, and I pray, this is Paul's prayer, for the church at Ephesus, for the believers at Ephesus. For I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts, living within you as you trust in him. So as you trust in him, as you trust in him, okay, is a reflection of enduring. So when I have an opportunity not to trust, I have an opportunity to be in a storm because storms are often opportunities in disguise. What feels like obstacles often is an opportunity in disguise to grow you. So I'm in a storm. I'm in an opportunity. Look at it instead of an obstacle. I'm in an opportunity. When I'm in an opportunity, I have the opportunity in that opportunity to trust in him more, okay? And as I trust in him more, guess what happens? It says this, may your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. I said it just a second ago. I said, what grows our roots deep into the soil of stability is standing on the words and promises of God over our life. Paul says that as you trust in him, he's, he's connecting this thought that your roots will go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. In other words, you'll continue to dive deeper and deeper into a more solid place so that no storm has the ability to take you out because you're not living by the word of the world. You're living by the word of the kingdom, which is his word, his logos, and his rhema word that he's given us, okay? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, Paul's encouragement to his spiritual son, Tim. Do your best in his younger years. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Paul is saying to Tim, listen, you're going to come up against a lot of stuff, a lot of discouragement at times, unbelief, confusion, you know, people wrestling with this, wrestling with that, coming at you, insulting you, your heresies all around you, false teaching, teachers all around you trying to squelch out the seed within you. You're going to have an opportunity to just want to give up at times and quit. That's why Paul keeps saying to Tim, run the race, fight the fight like I'm doing. He says, I want you to present yourself to God as one approved, rightly handling the word of truth. Study, study. He continues on in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, verse 16. Paul says to Timothy, all scripture, listen to this, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. Often people want to argue, well, you know, the, the Bible, the canon as we know it, the canonized books of the Bible were written by men. Yes, because God uses men to do his work, men and women, okay? God uses humanity to do his work, to be his representation, to be his ambassadorial leaders on the earth. God has always used men and women. God has always used humanity to do his work, to represent his kingdom. That's the way he wants it to be. And so God would speak 
to men. I mean, even if you look Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the book of Revelation, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, 1 Peter, 2 Peter. I mean, so many books of the Bible, these authors were literally walking with Jesus, were literally with him and recounting these stories of what Jesus did and had done. Okay, and God had spoken through, like in the Old Testament, his prophets, all the scripture that we have today is God breathed. And so all scripture is God breathed or out breathed out by God, verse 16, and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, and the, that the man of God may be competent equipped for every good work. Competency in the kingdom looks like knowing the word, being a, a student of the word. I'm talking about to everybody, not just pastors, ministry leaders out there. You're all called at some level to pastor, at some level to disciple, at some level to lead, at some level to prophesy, at some level to be God's mouthpiece. You're all called at some level to ministry, okay, in your workplace, in your environment, to minister, to be God's minister, to be God's ambassador, to represent your citizenship of heaven in that place. You're all called on mission, every single one of you listening. And so therefore, you are all called to know the word of God. You're all called to study because it's used for reproof, correction, training and righteousness that you may be competent, equipped for every good work. I want to encourage you in the word in this season to create a habit of studying the word, a habit. Don't live just by a feeling, oh, I feel like reading the word. Live by a habit. You know, I made it a habit very early on in my walk in the beginning. You know my story in the very first six months of my journey. It was like, that's where God began to create the disciplinary habits of my spiritual life. Not in like, a, oh, I have to do it, but it became something that I ended up wanting to do. Why? Because habits eventually turn into desires. Once you start seeing the benefits, once you start seeing the outcomes, once you start seeing the positive consequences of what sometimes feels like hard habits, things that you just don't really want to do. And I think as much as social media has given us, and, and, and media in general, YouTube, and all these, these platforms have given us accessibility for to, to acquire more knowledge, to access, uh, you know, things that maybe we weren't able to access back in the day. As much as it's good, the bad side of it is that often we lose our personal quest to dig into the word ourselves. We lose our personal discipline to dig in and go deep ourselves. And we need that personal habit. You know, after every point, because I'm still on the first point right now, after every point, I'm going to read the value of why we need to do what I'm encouraging us to do right now. We need, um, after every, I'm going to, I'm going to, and I'm going to read it as like a declaration over you. Okay. So if we establish a firm character in this quality, develop in this ever increasingly, like Peter says, this is what will happen for if you possess these qualities, verse eight, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and productive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them, whoever does not have a firm character is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So I want you to hear every quality from the vantage point of the why, okay? And the what happens as a result. So firm character equals, okay, healing. It equals sight. It equals clarity. It equals 
um, not being nearsighted. It, it equals effectiveness and productiveness in your knowledge of who Jesus is. Number two, so we have a firm character, number two, second quality, a deep understanding, okay? Now, I would define a deep understanding as knowledge, okay, through experience, okay? It's not just study, okay? Study now has to turn into experience, okay? The study of the word, the application of the word has to become our focus. You can study all the word you want. You can do what Paul said to Timothy. But the goal of study is that it would so transform you that the very knowledge that you are you are um, experiencing or learning becomes a physical manifestation, a transformative experience in and through your life. Let's read 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, which we defined as moral excellence or firm character. And to goodness, now we have knowledge, okay? This is where we get deep understanding, knowledge. This word knowledge means to know, to perceive, and to understand, or uh, it's a seeking to know. And in the process of seeking out knowledge, you're experiencing, your experience along the journey cements this knowledge into your soul and into your spirit. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, knowledge puffs up. The word is actually makes one arrogant. You can know all the stuff here, but if you only know it here and never know it here, there's no transformation. And when there's no transformation, there's no deep understanding. And when there's no deep understanding, there's no real kingdom knowledge, which is the knowledge that we're talking about, okay? And I, I love this because every time I encounter God in the Word, so I was talking to my kids just last night about this, actually, about it going from here to here, and sometimes how I'll literally, I'll meditate on a verse. I, I look at the Bible as a gateway, as an on-ramp to a higher way, not a highway, a higher way. I look at the, the, the Bible as a, as a as a gateway to experience, as a gateway to encounter, that if I'm not experiencing the things in the Bible that I'm reading, that I'm studying, that I'm meditating on, then it's just history, okay? But when the Holy Spirit allows me to see through the Scripture and then allows the Scripture to become a part of my life, where I begin to apply it into my life, all of a sudden now I have a deep understanding of what I'm reading. I have a deeper understanding of what I'm reading. I don't just read to read to get smarter. I wanna read for transformation. I wanna read to get better. I wanna read to grow. I wanna read because my roots go down deeper, therefore my tree gets stronger. Therefore when things happen, I don't get pushed down by every wave of new doctrine like James talks about. I don't get pushed down, I don't get tossed around waves because all the chaos around me, I'm strong, I'm stable, I'm firm. And some of the greatest um, uh, moments in my life that I can look back on are the moments where scriptures became reality and experience. I remember one time, you know, after I'd been really meditating on like just who God is and his in his awesomeness and looking, reading the book of Revelation will blow your mind and looking at, thinking about his throne and, and who God is on his throne and what he's like and the, and the lights around his throne and the rainbow around his throne and the thunders and the lightnings and the sea of glass like crystal and the creatures all around his throne and the elders, 24 elders that bow down and, and, all, and all these crazy angelic beings and the things that go on in heaven according to what John saw in heaven. 
I remember one day I was in my office and I had an intern with me and they were actually in another room and I had the office door closed. I was just in prayer. I was in prayer and I fell into what Acts 10 verse 10 describes as a trance, which is a dreamlike state, but you're actually awake, okay? And God elevates your way of thinking to see things that normally you wouldn't be able to see and experience. It's like a dreamlike state. You actually feel like, almost like you're dreaming, but you're fully awake. And I fell into a trance and I was taken up, literally taken up, and I saw the throne of God. And all I could see was this brilliant, crazy light. I mean, it was wild. And literally, it was so scary, you guys. I was screaming. And see, part of my, my I was like part like aware of what was happening and I was in the spirit. So I'm literally screaming out loud. I'm seeing the throne. I'm seeing the bright light. I didn't see a face, but I could see a figure. I can see like a, almost like a, an outline, but I saw this brilliant light and I knew I was seeing what it looks like to look at the splendor of God's throne, the light around God's throne. And I was literally screaming. I was in this encounter for probably about two and a half minutes. And my intern in the in the and who was in the living room at the time was like freaking out because I'm like screaming. Here, here is is like somebody who you know is interning with me, and all they're listening to is screaming, like fear screaming. When I came out of this, I was awestruck. I was like, God, this is how powerful you are. This is how incredible you are. And in these moments, in these encounters, my understanding of God, my understanding of his awesomeness, my understanding of how brilliant and powerful he is, it deepens. It's like my knowledge of who he is gets cemented by the experience. I want to read in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. Peter says this. Peter was with Jesus Remember, at his baptism, he walked with Jesus, okay? Second Peter chapter 1, verse 16, 21. For we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. Verse 17. When he received honor and glory from the Father, God the Father, the voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, you know, remember when Jesus got up out of his baptism, uh, up out of the waters, he, they, they all heard a voice saying, it says that saying this, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Verse 18, we ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. So we heard it. We heard the voice, okay? We heard the voice. Because of that experience, verse 19, because of that experience, it went from like just knowledge of the awesomeness of Jesus who I'm following at the time, okay? But now because of the experience, hearing the voice of the Father speaking to the Son, this is my dearly loved Son in whom I'm well pleased, because of that experience, we have even greater confidence now in the message proclaimed by the prophets. Even greater confidence. It deepened their understanding. It deepened their assurance. It deepened their stability. It deepened their perspective. It deepened their understanding in that moment. You must pay close attention to what they wrote for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your hearts. Verse 20, above all, you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. They spoke from God. Remember, when you apply this quality, you become productive. You become effective, as we read in chapter 2, 
or chapter 1, 2 Peter, verse 8, you become effective, productive in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, and you keep your eyes healed, verse 19, let me declare it over you, but whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. That declaration, okay, I want you to hear it from the vantage point of the opposite, that when you apply these qualities, you have sight, you aren't blind, you're healed from your blindness, and you remember and bring back to the forefront of your focus the fact that and the truth that you have been forgiven past, present, and future. So number one, firm character. Number two, deep understanding. Number three, a disciplined soul, okay? We need a disciplined soul, third quality. Second Peter chapter one, verse five to six, for this reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, which is moral excellence, firm character, knowledge, which is deep understanding, six, and to knowledge, self-control, self-control. To have, the word literally means to have mastery over something, okay? To be in self-control is to have mastery over something. Write this down, when we lose discipline, we lose control. When we lose control, we sabotage perseverance. When we lose discipline, we lose control. When we lose control, we sabotage perseverance. This is why it's so important. We kind of talked about the discipline, the habits earlier on in, in character and in, in having a firm character and developing healthy habits in the word, okay? Because when we lose discipline, we lose control. When we lose control, we sabotage our perseverance, which ultimately produces character, as we read in Romans chapter 5. Saying yes to what's right is the solution always to a disciplined soul rather than saying no. We often think about, you've heard every motivational speaker out there talk about this, you know, you got to say no. You got to say no. And yes, I agree with that. But in the kingdom, okay, in the kingdom, biblically, our focus needs to be more about saying yes to God and what he's promised us than just focus around all the no's. Because when we focus, hyper-focus on what we can't do, when we hyper-focus on all the negative, eventually those things get reflected back into our life, okay? And that's why we are to focus on his righteousness, Okay, if you focus on sin only all the time, guess what? You're going to reflect the very thing you focus on. You empower whatever it is that you focus on. So I want to encourage us from a biblical precedent. I'm not saying don't acknowledge sin. I'm not saying don't be aware of sin. But I'm talking about focusing on God's goodness, focusing on God's righteousness. I'm talking about focusing on God's holiness, who he is, what he's like. That's what worship is. We worship God. We're not focusing on sin. We're not thinking about sin. We're focusing on God's ability to, uh, uh, God's God's grace that, that enables us to overcome all those things, all right? And the grace of God is a good thing. It's a good, uh, it's the most important thing in our life. And so we need to focus on the yes of God, what we're saying yes to more than just no. I'm saying yes to a prayer life. I'm saying yes to the word. I'm saying yes to focusing on God's uh, righteousness. I'm saying yes to worship. I'm saying yes to putting God first in my finances, in my marriage, in my health. I'm saying yes, not just all the no's that we have to, I mean, it's really easy. When we say yes, there are things that we already say no to. So it's very important that we do this. The core of discipleship is discipline. I mean, the, the, the word is interchangeable. To disciple is to discipline, not in a negative way, but to train people up. To discipline, to disciple them in the way that they should go. Jesus had 12 disciples. 
and he disciplined them. He chastised them. Once again, not a negative thing. It's the, the meaning literally comes from the word child training, to train up somebody in the way, to guide them in the way that they should go. This is the core of discipleship is discipline, okay? Without discipline, write this down, we don't have destiny. Without discipline, we don't have destiny. You want to get to a destination, you got to discipline yourself to get there. There are things that you have to do along the way to get to your destination. Now, I'm not promoting, nor do I want to promote all like works and behavior, you know, behavioral modification to get to where you're called to go. But I want to promote that where there is real faith and true belief in God, discipline follows, okay? A lifestyle follows. Healthy habits follow. If I believe, you guys, in the power of prayer, then guess what? I'm going to have a disciplined prayer life. If I believe in the power of the word, I'm going to have a disciplined get into the word life. If I believe in the power of worship, I'm going to have a disciplined worship life. We have to change our perspective of discipline from negative to positive in that it's just part of training. It's part of developing healthy leadership and healthy habits. If you're called and you believe you're called to be a great piano player, probably you will have disciplined practice. I was telling my kids as well last night, I had a deep conversation with some of my kids last night, and I was telling them before they went to bed that there are seasons where you have have-tos to create habits. And then eventually these seasons turn into get-tos. There are seasons where you have have-tos, like I have to do something, maybe I don't want to do it, and these have-to seasons create habits. Then you begin to see the benefits the positive outcomes of these habits that you have to do, right? And eventually these seasons turn into now a realization of what I get to do. And it's simply a mindset change where all of a sudden the approach is different. I do things in a certain season because I have to. I don't want to do it. The doctor said, you know, I got to change my lifestyle. I got to change what I eat. I don't want to change what I eat. I have to do those things. But now I begin after a year of doing that, I begin to see the outcome, the benefits of the changing of my eating. And therefore, all of a sudden I realize, man, I get to continue living now a lifestyle of health. I don't have to because I was about to die or I was on, you know, the I, I was life was on a thread, so to speak. You know, my my blood pressure was too high. Like I had to make a change or it wouldn't have been good. Now I get to because I see the benefits. It's I, I kind of liken it to like spending 10 years, you know, 10 years where your where your your health is still decently good. And in those 10 years, you're building foundation of healthy habits, working out, eating right, you know, getting the proper sleep, whatever. And 10 years down the road, all of a sudden, now everybody around you, because you hit a certain age, starts to have their health breakdown. All of a sudden, everyone around you that did not spend those 10 years like you did, developing healthy habits because you felt like you had to, in a sense of like, if you wanted to build momentum into a space where 10 years from now, when your body would normally begin to break down, 
all of a sudden now, it doesn't break down. And in that moment, when you see everybody else around you falling, everyone else around you, you know, with health breaking down, you're thankful that you developed those have-to habits for those 10 years. Because now all of a sudden you see the value and it's a privilege that I get to live healthy because I spent 10 years building into healthy habits. Remember, if we do these and we build these qualities into our life, we will be effective and productive. Second Peter chapter 1, 8 and 9. So we have firm character, deep understanding, number three, a disciplined soul. Number four, a perseverant spirit. Never stop. Quitters never win. Second Peter chapter one, verse five to six. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, to goodness, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance. Literally meaning steadfastness, endurance, perseverance. Hear this. Quitters never win. Quitters never win. They always lose. My encouragement is to persevere. My encouragement is to develop and focus on this quality, on this fourth quality that we need to supplement or add to our existing faith. I want to persevere in spirit. I want to persevere. I want to endure. How do we endure? Remember what we talked about earlier on, okay? Or how do we um, have character? We endure. How do we endure? We talked about this early on. Having a, a word life, having a steady life, getting our roots down into God's word so that things don't toss us around. To stand on God's word, to stand on God's promises. We need a perseverance spirit. I think this is one of my favorite qualities. I think if I, 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 I think it was my youngest daughter. Oh yeah, it was my youngest daughter. I was in the car recently and I asked my youngest daughter, I was asking her, what does she love about herself and her siblings. And then she asked me, what do you love about yourself? And the first thing that came to my mind was, I'm perseverant. And I know I'm perseverant. And, you know, people have told me that, but I know I'm perseverant. And I think that this quality has kept me grounded and kept me moving in the midst of times and seasons where I have not wanted to do it, but because I developed this quality, I continue to be effective and productive even in the midst of chaos and even in the midst of dark storms in my life. So perseverance, number four. Number five, a reverent life. We're almost done. Number five, just two more left. Number five, a reverent life. A reverent life. Verse six, Second Peter chapter one. And to knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness. The fifth quality that we need to develop in increasing measure, godliness, which could be defined as reverence, which is why we call it, calling this point a reverent life, having a reverent life. To revere is to honor, honor with everything, no private parts. Now remember, like years ago, if you were with us in our old building, years ago, we did a series called Private Parts. And I think the sub-tag was like exposing the areas where the sun, S-O-N, Jesus, the sun don't shine and how we don't want any private parts. We want to revere God in every area of our life. We want to honor God in every area of our life. A reverent life looks like a life that's honorable. Honor, honor, honor. Live your life for an audience of one. If you could learn to get your eyes off of the people around you and eyes onto the one who has called you, 
and live your life according to him and his plan, his purpose, you will live a godly life. The godly life you are called to live. I mean, even the fact that in the very beginning of the whole verse or the whole passage, we read this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Everything we need to live a life that honors him with every part of our being. Honor, honor every part. Romans 12, verse 1, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So important to God. He wants it all. He wants every part of your life. To live godly is to live in reverence to God in every area of our life. Lastly, number six, which is six and seven together, but I'm calling it number six, a love life. A love life. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5 to 7. Let me read the whole thing now. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, goodness to knowledge, knowledge to self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, perseverance to godliness, and to godliness, verse 7, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Now, in most translations, or just to break it down for you, make it easy for you, that first part where he says mutual affection actually means brotherly love or brotherly affection, okay? Which is, the there's different kinds of love uh, noted in Scripture, okay, that are talked about in Scripture. One of those kinds of love is a philos, which is the Greek word of love, okay? And it's a friendly love. It's a, it's a deep, intimate, friendly love. Love for fellow believers. I mean, Jesus even said it uh, in John 15, 15, for I no longer call you servants because a servant no longer knows what his master is doing, but I call you friends because friends share secrets with friends. John 15, verse 15. In that context, that's a philos kind of love. It's a mutual affection. It's a connectedness, a brotherly, a sisterly type of a love, a mutual affection, okay? But then we have, from mutual affection, it says this, to love. It's another word, which is agape, okay? Agape love. Not philos love, a friendly love, agape love. And that's a love for everyone else around you. So it's got to go from that friendly, brotherly uh, affection, mutual affection, to an agape love for everyone else around you. This agape love, it's all through Scripture, but you can see it in Matthew 3, verse 17, at Jesus' baptism, which we referenced earlier, okay? Matthew 3, verse 17, when Jesus got up out of the water, a voice from heaven, it was God himself, the Father, said over his son, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, my dearly loved son, okay? This is my dearly loved son. That word for dearly loved is agape. It's an unconditional love. It, it, like these two together, and the reason why I coupled them together is because I feel like they're kind of you need both for them to work. You, you, like, you need all aspects of love to live in the agape sense of love, where you have a love for everyone else, okay? So this is the love that we're talking about. We need, and it's obvious, it goes without saying, we need to live a life that loves, have a love life. That's why I called it a love life. John 15, verse 3. There's no greater love than, than to lay down one's life for his friends. That's in the New Living Translation. Speaking of Jesus, Jesus said these, these words, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends, okay? There's no greater agape to un love so unconditionally that you're willing to lay down your life for your brothers, your sisters, and everyone else around you. Now, I want to conclude this by giving us 
I know it's been a little bit of a longer message the last few weeks, but I want to conclude this and read, and I'm going to, I, I kind of altered a little bit, but one commentary kind of broke down this whole passage, and I love how they broke it down, and it, and they broke it down like as a mathematical equation, okay? So for all of you out there that are very linear thinking, that want to think logically, I'm going to read this even though it's not how the Hebrew culture thought when it comes to how scripture was written. But um, I want to give you a little bit of a mathematical look at how you could approach this whole passage. And I included my own points just to recap everything. So track with me, it will be on the screen. So faith, because remember, we're adding all these things in supplement to our faith. Faith plus firm character equals deep understanding. Faith plus firm character equals deep understanding. Firm character plus deep understanding equals a disciplined soul, which is strength, okay? Deep understanding plus disciplined soul equals a perseverant life. A disciplined soul plus a perseverant life equals a reverent life, which is godliness. Perseverant life plus a reverent life equals friendly love. Reverence plus friendly love equals unconditional love, which is what I call a love life. These are the qualities for breaking through. And if we possess these and walk in them, our eyes will remain open in 2021 and beyond. And God will begin continue to keep our sight healthy, to keep our sight clear. And if we continue to walk in these things and possess these qualities and increasing measure, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 8, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. We need these qualities. And let me close up with this last verse that I have not read yet. Verse 10. This is Peter's sort of like, he kind of wraps up the thought here in some way of all the value, the value of what he's just shared about possessing these qualities, saying this, so dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things, listen to this, do these things and you will never fall away. I love that. Do these things. Focus on these things. Develop in these things. Possess these qualities. If you want to break through, breaking through you looks like staying strong. Breaking through you, which then equals breaking through the things around you, equals staying strong for the long haul. Living in spiritual longevity. It looks like never falling away. How many people have you seen in your life, around your life, fall away from their faith. Maybe it's happened years ago, your kids, your coworkers, your brothers, your sisters, your friends, your cousins, family members, people around you, even presently. How many people have you watched fall away? I can guarantee you at some point, they stopped developing in these qualities, continuing to break through them and forget. They begin to get nearsighted and blind, forgetting all that Jesus had done for them over 2,000 years ago, that he had fixed the problem by cleansing them of their sin, removing their sinful nature, like Colossians puts it, from their, uh, away from them, spiritually circumcising them, as Paul says it in Colossians, removing the thing that dominated them, Romans 6, verse 1, sin no longer has is master over your life. 
God has removed your sinful nature. They forgot that and therefore have fallen away. Man, I just believe with all my heart, if we can get this stuff and we can apply this stuff to our life, I'm not talking about works, you guys. Remember, true belief will translate into a lifestyle that looks like developing in these areas in Jesus' name. I want to pray for you as we close. Please, wherever you are, stand up. If you're sitting down, just put your hands out. Just open up your heart in a posture of, I want to receive today. Because my prayer for you is that your eyes would be healed. Maybe you've been blinded. Maybe you feel like you've been nearsighted. You've been walking awkwardly in this season in the spirit. You know, maybe um, you, you, you've, you've forsaken or stopped developing in some of these qualities that I've mentioned, you know, out of the seven that, that, I've, that I've really addressed. Maybe you've stopped developing in these areas and now all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's awakening you again to focus on these areas. I want to pray for you, God. I thank you for everyone watching right now and I pray that you would overwhelm them with your love. Heal their sight. Heal their perspective. Give them clarity in this season. Give them insight in this season. God, I pray that you'd open up their eyes to see like you see and that, God, you'd remove their nearsightedness, remove the blindness in the season in Jesus' name. Help them to have a desire to add these things to their faith, to focus and develop in these areas, to possess these qualities in Jesus' name. Their faith is waiting for it, God. Their faith is ready for it. And so I just pray for empowering them, strengthening them today. God, I pray for just an overwhelming sense of your presence to come through the camera right now, God, and just awaken them to this stuff and the value of all of this that Peter gives us encouragement to do, to step into, so that we can break through us, remembering that God has given us everything we need by his divine power to live the life that we are called to live in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope this encouraged you. I'd encourage you, watch it again. Maybe you uh, didn't come in at the very beginning. Go back, watch the whole thing. I know God is going to speak to you. Can't wait to see you next week. Whoa, Pastor Sean, part three of the Breaking Through You series was amazing. I love that. It's so encouraging. I love those six points, but I want to speak to you, Casey family, specific about the last point. Point number six, a love life. What an incredible encouragement for us. We can love only because God loved us first. Mm -hmm. And if you're watching this web stream, if you're watching this live and you have never said yes to Jesus, maybe you landed by this channel and you think it was by mistake. God wants you to uh, realize how much he loves you, mm -hmm. how much he, he gave his unconditional love by sending Jesus to die for you. And Romans 10, 9 says, if you openly declare with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. So, if that's you, I want to encourage you to walk into this life of relationship with Jesus and repeat this prayer after me saying, Lord Jesus, I give you my life to you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your salvation. I say yes to you. I ask forgiveness for my sins. And I want to walk in newness of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, if you made a decision today, we would love to hear from you. So please email us at prayerandkindleculture.ca. Yes, guys, and that's it for today's experience. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Pastor Sean. Looking forward to seeing you all next week. Remember, if you want to be part of our relaunch team, make sure you text us 
and we look forward from hearing from you. Love you guys. Have an amazing Bye. week. Bye.